This podcast may contain strong language and references to violence. Listener discretion is advised. The citizens handbook. The citizens Koto, no my hide my and welcome to the Citizens Handbook podcast, the companion podcast to the Citizens Handbook web series that you should watch. And if you haven't watched it, go do that right now. My name is Robbie, and this is a podcast for people who want to know about New Zealand but hate to read. So, we've invited a comedian and turned civics education into a game that someone can win. To make sure that nobody cheats, we've got a moderator called Finn. Finn, tell us how the game works. Okay, Robbie, I will. Thanks, Finn. Robbie and our guest are going to take turns explaining a topic to each other, but they're also going to sneak in three cheeky little lies. Whoever spots the most lies from the other person wins. Easy. Easy. Today, our special guest is Alice Sneddon, who is our only guest comedian with a law degree. And we're talking about courts and justice and other ways New Zealand funds lawyers' holiday homes. I'll be talking about capital punishment, and Alice will be talking about New Zealand's first woman lawyer, Ethel Benjamin. There'll also be some lies to look for, hidden away like chocolate eggs fresh from the Easter Bunny's cloaca. Hi, Alice. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing so fine, thank you. (laughs) Really, really extremely average. Yeah, as always. Oh, fantastic. I am mediocre and it feels great. Oh, well, that's, that's a ringing endorsement for this podcast people are about to listen to. I hope that's you... the kind of talent you're getting on board, oh, just yeah. middle of the road. People who pride themselves on their mediocrity. Yeah, it's I pride myself on delivering just what is barely necessary. Okay, well, great. I'm going to tell you about um, a really fun, joyful topic. Um, which is capital punishment. Ooh. And uh, I'm going to lie three times. Okay. And see if you can spot the three times that I lie. Okay. Okay. Do I get to look at you directly in the eye? Uh, you do, but I won't be looking at you in the eye. So okay, you sure. can look at my eyes. Yeah, great. <laughs> okay, great. The government still kills people in wars, and sometimes the police shoot people. But our government hasn't punished any criminals by dangling them from a rope since 1957. They used to do it quite a bit. Between 1842 and 1957, the New Zealand government killed 84 people for doing bad stuff, or potentially for possibly not doing bad stuff at all, but being found guilty for bad stuff they didn't do. All in all, 83 people were murdered for murder, and one was murdered for treason. They were all hanged, and before 1862, all the hangings happened publicly, an act we have since replaced with public cancellings on Twitter. There were three reasons you could be hanged, murder, treason, and piracy, which makes me rethink the movies I stream online. It was an odd decision to punish murder with murder, because presumably the government has been caught in an endless loop ever since. In 1935, the Labour Party commuted all death sentences to life in prison, because they were soft on crime. (laughs) The National Party thought this was silly and brought back hangings in 1950, leading to 18 more convictions and 8 more deaths. Then Labour got in again and said, no, really, this should stop, and capital punishment was abolished in 1961. The first person to be hanged in New Zealand was Makatu Faritotara, the 17-year-old son of a Ngāpuhi chief. He was abused by a white guy, so he killed him and his wife and his daughter. 
The Pakia wanted to show that their legal system was fair and not racist, so they delayed Faritotara's trial so they could try a Pakia man for murder first and sentence them both to death. Makatu Faritotara was still the first to die. The most well-known hangman in the 1800s was Tom Long, who said he learnt to kill in the Indian Army. His first hanging was in Picton in 1877. He reportedly said to the man he was about to kill, Goodbye, old fellow. I wish you a pleasant journey. You're only going a few days before us. Perhaps I might follow you tomorrow or the next day myself. He adjusted the rope, saying, How do you feel? Is it comfortable or is it too tight? And when the man replied that it was all right, Long said, Well, goodbye. I wish you a pleasant journey. Long was arrested numerous times and became so infamous that for a time, executions in New Zealand were referred to as the Long Drop. Only one woman was ever hanged in New Zealand, and her name was Minnie Dean, who was caught for multiple infanticide in 1895. During her trial, people sold merchandise, including little dolls of children, and a useful reminder that humans have always been the absolute worst. Walter Bolton was the last person to be hanged in New Zealand. He was neck-dangled for poisoning his wife, Beatrice. Arsenic slowly killed her over a year. Bolton's defence lawyers pointed out that Walter and his daughter also had arsenic in their system and said that some sheep dip had gotten the water supply. The jury deliberated for two hours and ten minutes and found him guilty. Reportedly, when he was hanged, the execution went wrong and Walter was slowly strangled to death. There's a very real chance that Walter didn't kill his wife and not only was he killed, reportedly he was killed slowly and painfully. I'm sure Walter is thrilled to know that the horrible circumstances of his death helped turn the public against capital punishment. Once the National Party finally agreed with Labour that capital punishment was bad, New Zealand went on to be an important part of the global fight against it. According to Amnesty International, in 2007, New Zealand was one of nine countries to co-author a worldwide initiative to ban all executions. New Zealand was also committed to build a support for a global moratorium on the death penalty. And as of December 2007, 104 nations had voted to adopt the resolution. There are currently 58 countries that still have the death penalty, which has been broadly agreed by all humans with functioning human emotions to be totally fucked. And that is the history of capital punishment in New Zealand. So I just identify what I think are the lies. Yeah. It's so hard to know because everything you say with equal amounts of authority, which is like quite disconcerting <laughs> because who knows how you abuse that power in your personal <laughs> life. <laughs> okay. I think it's not true mm-hmm. that it was called the long drop. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lie. Great. So we've got an accusation straight off the bat from Alice. And that accusation is, in fact, Correct. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I was just like, oh, that's a fun opportunity. His name is Long. He drops people. Long drop means toilet. That's funny. Yeah. But do you know what's weird is I didn't think it was a lie because a long drop is also a toilet. Yeah. I just thought there's no way that they'd call that after that guy. And then I realized it was also the name of a toilet. And I was like, gotcha. (laughs) And you did. You did got me. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple more things that I think it could potentially be. The idea that the courts were trying to prove that they were not racist seems like bullshit to me Mm because I've never known a court to ever want to do that, Mm -hmm. Um, and especially that early on. The, The rope chat seemed funny, seemed a bit fishy. It was just so um, casual. (laughs) So I think I I think 
rope chat was bullshit. The extent of it. Okay, so we've got an accusation that executioner Tom Long's rope chat <laughs> when he said, you know, goodbye, old fellow, I wish you a pleasant journey, etc. Uh, but also they're like, are you comfy? Is it too tight? Is I mean, that seems tight? like pretty cruel. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's true. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the public really didn't like it. The public was like, ugh, don't do that. Don't do that. But I, I don't know. I, it's kind of, there's something kind of weird about like how even though you're about to kill someone, you're like your human instinct kicks in. And you're like, you doing okay? Like it's so weird. It is weird. Though. It's I like mean, someone that, being in, a, in an electric chair and being like, is this comfortable for you? It's exactly what it is. Um, but yeah, Tom Long's a crazy. People thought maybe he did arson and killed a guy in an arson attack, but. The executioner guy. Yeah, he was arrested quite a lot. Incredible confidence to be murdering people for murder and then also murdering on the slate in your own time. (laughs) Off the clock. (laughs) I was pretty sure he'd done something bad. I took matters into my own hands. (laughs) That's incredible. So was there, sorry, was there one guy who did all the executions? No, no, no. He was just just the the most famous. He was the most famous. He was the best one. Well, (laughs) I don't know how good he was. Like if you were going to get killed by someone, you want it to be this guy. Oh, I got long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you're one from two, Alice. Okay. Um, now the other uh, thing I'm going to say, and it's a bit left field, and I might mm. actually be wrong on this, and because now because you spoke with such authority, I think maybe <laughs> I am wrong. But my understanding was that capital punishment in New Zealand was actually still legal for treason, like that there was still one exception to it. And I don't know why I have that thought in my head, but that is my my understanding. So, why? So the the accusation is that uh, capital punishment was not abolished in 1961. It was still on the the books. Still on the books for treason, yeah. Okay, yeah, that accusation is dead on. Fucking A! (laughs) Yes! Absolutely, until 1989, you could be hanged for treason. Yes. Yeah. Love that for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a victory. That was like a real display of knowledge. Yeah, thank you so you knew much. A fact. It yeah. wasn't just a yeah. guess. I used to be super p- passionate about capital punishment. The abolition of the Death Penalty Act was passed in 1989. So now it is officially gone, gone, gone. It's gone, gone, gone officially. There's okay. no reason you can be hanged well, in great. New Zealand anymore. Now I'd finally like to admit Legal. all of my treasonous crimes. Okay, great. <laughs> now I can just list them. Yeah. yeah. You won't believe how many times I've betrayed this government. <laughs> so before we move on, um, there's two lies that you spotted, which means that there's one still hidden oh. in there somewhere. So... Can Robbie. I oh, okay. You, you want to have another go? Oh, yeah. yeah. Was it the thing about um, trialing the Pakia and the Māori side by side? They're, Pretty much. Kind of. They did say that because it was like the first, one of the first cases of Pakia people like trying to assert their law over Māori mm-hmm. people, they were like, for one of the rare times in their, you know, history, trying not to seem racist. So they did try a Pakeha man first, but then they let him off for manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> and then they sentenced uh, the 17-year-old Māori uh, boy to death. Uh, oh, so he was the first Jesus. to So it was like a genuine PR attempt to be like, see, look, hey, this is we have to go through this too. Uh, manslaughter for you, sir. That's, I mean, I don't know what he did. It might have been the right call, but it was a definitely bad PR. 
Uh, wow. Um, yeah, but the rest yeah. of that's all, all true. All stuff Shout about out, Dean. though, to Parkia, who have basically been getting diversions since the existence <laughs> of the court. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of round one, we've got Alice Nedden, two, Robbie Nickel, zero. And that <laughs> brings us into round two. So, Alice, you're up. Okay, great. I'm going to tell you about New Zealand's first woman lawyer, Ethel Benjamin. Women are allowed to be lawyers now. A huge statement. (laughs) But that wasn't always the case. And it was extremely tough going for New Zealand's first woman lawyer, who was a good southern Sheila called Ethel Benjamin. Ethel was born in Dunedin in 1875. She went to Otago Girls High School and smashed it because she was, like, very smart. And then after that, in 1892, she decided to enrol at uni and do a law degree. It wasn't illegal for women to study law back then, but it was just illegal for women to practice law once they had finished studying. She could get the degree, but she couldn't use it. She became a scuffy anyway. She studied law at Otago, which is also where I studied law. (laughs) Just something I wanted people to know. And she wasn't sure if she'd be able to get a job at the end of it, but she did really well in uni, and luckily, just before she graduated, Parliament legalised women lawyers. And it wasn't a complete coincidence. When the Female Law Practitioners Act was going through Parliament, MPs actually used the student Ethel as an example to prove that, contrary to popular belief, women could, in fact, handle the law. So when she graduated, she got admitted to the bar like she'd hoped, and then she started breaking lots of barriers. At her graduation in 1897, she was the first woman to ever make a speech at the University of Otago. Obviously, she was also the first woman admitted to the bar in New Zealand, but she was only the second woman in the whole British Empire to be admitted to the bar. The first was a Canadian called Clara. Okay, made a lot of eye contact there. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely seemed like a lie. At her celebration drink, she was also the first woman to set fire to a couch on Castle Street. And when she made her first court appearance, she claimed the number one spot again and was the first woman in the British Empire to represent anyone in court. Unfortunately, after being a big barrier breaker, didn't win her a lot of fans back in New Zealand, there were only a few other women admitted to the bar in the few years after her. So most of the time it was just Ethel and a bunch of men and the men were super weird about her. The Otago District Law Society kept accidentally not inviting her to official functions. They didn't give her full access to the Law Society Library and they tried to ban her from wearing the cool lawyer's wigs everyone else got to wear in court. And they tried to give her a dress code so she would be suitably womanly while in court. They wondered if she would make use of her seductive charms in court and also worried that court cases with Ethel would take a long time because women tend to be more emotional and sympathetic rather than logical and reasonable, like all men. It's a little known law that you can't practice law when you're on your period. (laughs) Joke, not lie, right? No, that's the truth. (laughs) That's why I quit. I just, my period wasn't stopping. (laughs) Sorry, I can't. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't. I'm menstruating. (laughs) But the real problems came when Ethel started her own practice. She couldn't get any work because no one would refer any clients to her. And she even printed ads, which was unusual for the time, but they didn't really do the job. So she started doing legal work for cheap or free for women who were abused or had been left by their husbands and were destitute. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of money in it for Ethel, and after a good go, she 
left the legal profession. She moved to Christchurch and ran a restaurant for a bit and then she moved to England with her husband and never came back. She finally got to work in a normal legal firm in England though, but then in 1943 she was hit by a car and she died. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Because... It's just the worst end to a story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. What are you thinking, Robbie? What am I thinking? I'm thinking at one point you said she was the first person to set fire to a couch. Did you say that? Yeah. Yeah, no. No, no, she wasn't. Wow, you seem very confident about that. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, she was a Scarfy at Otago University. Are you sure you don't want to step back your accusation? I'm sure. Yeah, it's right. She did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It It really stood out. Okay. Okay, great. All right. Can you read me the bit about the Canadian called Clara? Yeah, sure. Just because it was real intense the way you read that and made direct (laughs) eye contact with me, as if to say, this is true, Robbie. Don't question this bit. Obviously, she was also the first woman admitted to the bar in New Zealand, but she was also only the second woman in the whole British Empire admitted to the bar. The first was a Canadian called Clara. I just don't see why you would lie about it, but you could have. Okay, I'm not making an official guess on that. I'm going to guess that she wasn't the first person to make a speech at the University of Otago. There was someone else who was also really cool who I'm about to learn about. That's my guess. Lock it in. All right. We've got an accusation that Ethel Benjamin was not the first woman to speak at Otago University, which is incorrect. No, she did actually. She was the first woman to speak. And um, I've got some of the speech here. Do you want me to read it? Yes, okay, yeah. You seemed a bit hesitant. (laughs) It was only yesterday that I was asked to undertake this pleasant task, and while deeply sensible of the compliment paid to me... Whoa, language was weird back then. Yeah, talked real weird. (laughs) I was somewhat diffident about taking so much upon myself at such short a notice, but I knew that little would be expected of me, and even if I succeeded in talking nonsense, the charitable verdict would be, oh, well, it is all that can be expected of a woman. (laughs) That's how I'm going to open every one of my comedy shows from now on. (laughs) Even if this is nonsense. Oh, well, that's all that can be expected of a woman. (laughs) Fuck, it's such a good line. I'm so jealous. I'm genuinely annoyed at her now and she's dead. Like, how is it that my jealousy runs so deep and my ego is so pertinent that I can be annoyed by a dead person? You're one from two now. You got one, one last two. guess to draw up. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say purely because of the intense eye contact, which absolutely may be an acceptable mind game that you could play on this show. It's absolutely part of it. It's all part of the theatrics and the lies. I'm going to say that the person that you only referred to as Canadian Clara, <laughs> with no surname, <laughs> is not uh, the other person. What was, it? what was it that she did? She was the first woman in the British Empire to be admitted to the bar. Okay, I'm going to say Canadian Clara, no surname, is not the first woman in the British Empire to be admitted to the bar. All right, as your third and final guess. It is, yep. Incorrect. Ah. Feels so good. Oh, it feels so bad. <laughs> Oh, it just feels awful. Oh, oh. Her name was Clara Brett Martin. Okay. So, 
You've only got one point there, Robbie. Yeah, there's only yeah, one lie that you've yeah, that was like a disaster. Out. Yeah, and it was that she was the first to set fire <laughs> to the cow. Like it was very clearly a lie. It was a gimme. Well, that does mean that there are two more lies swimming around in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. What are those ones, Alice? So it was a lie that there were other lawyers admitted soon after her. The next lawyer, female lawyer, woman lawyer, wasn't admitted to the bar until 1906. How many years later was that? It was about six or seven years later. I was looking her up before I came here, and then I was like, I wonder when the first female Māori lawyer was. Yeah, when was that? Do you know when that was? No. In the 70s. It was Georgina Tehuhu. Isn't that crazy? Well, that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's truly not good news. She graduated from Victoria University. She's kind of a fascinating person because she was also a national MP. But then she got pushed to the bank bench when she disagreed with Don Brash. Anyway, she's really interesting. She runs Māori TV now. Ah. Anywho, she's a dame. Was uh, that all true? Should we start, start doing it? Should we do another one? No, that is all true. Yeah, really interesting person. <laughs> Succeeded by Hekia Parata. Also an interesting person. Anyway, okay. And the other lie, she couldn't actually practice law in England because women lawyers were still illegal <gasps> over there. So she became a bank manager, and then she got hit by a car and died. <laughs> so that bit's still true. Do you know what's crazy is that in the court still, when you introduce yourself to the judge, <clears throat> men just say their last name, but women have to give their relationship signifier. What? Yeah, so Whoa. men just go like, like if I was a man, I'd be like Sneddon for the court, but because I'm a woman, I'd have to say like Ms. Sneddon for the court. Just so that people can know, oh, yeah. didn't get married, so I'm going to discount this. Yeah, exactly. But some women have started just saying their last name, but then sometimes the judge pulls them up on that. Uh, so if they want to make a statement about it, then like, they're potentially fucking over their yeah. client by getting in the bad books with the judge by trying to make a political <sighs> statement about it. At the end of round two... Um, it brings me great joy to announce well, the final score tally, yes. which is Alice Sneddon on. on two points and Robbie Nickel on yes. one point. Oh, yes. No. that Alice has won the episode. Congratulations, Thank Alice. Thank you so much. What's the prize? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, thank you so much for being here, Alice. <laughs> it was so great to have you. Thank you for joining us, Alice, uh, for this episode on uh, New Zealand courts and, and justice. Thank you so much for being on the Citizens Handbook podcast. Thanks for having me. If you liked this podcast, you'll love the web series, The Citizens Handbook, and you can find it at rnz.co.nz. The Citizen's Handbook podcast was researched and written by Phineas Tippett and me, Robbie Nickel. It is produced by Izzy Walton and Kevin and Co. The technical producer is Tim Batt. RNZ supervising producer is Justin Gregory. And RNZ senior commissioner is Kay Elmers. Tim Watkin is RNZ's executive producer for podcasts and series. This podcast was made possible by the RNZ and NZ On Air Innovation Fund. You can subscribe to this and every other RNZ podcast at Apple, Spotify, and other podcast providers. Please give us a rating. That way other people get to hear about the show.